It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday november 28th and you're listening to episode 548 as always i am your host jason here today joined by game designer uh, one of the awesome people you will find in the btg discord and but a first time guest on the show and that is zoe allred hey zoe how you doing i'm doing great uh thanks for having me on yeah, it's awesome to have you here. Yeah, so what have uh, how are things going for you? You've been uh, I've, you 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 do a lot of designing uh, based on stuff I see you posting. In yeah, the, uh, yeah. But I was just talking beforehand. I haven't got to try any of your games yet, and I hope to fix that soon. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Have you been keeping busy? I have been. Um, I usually juggle a whole lot of designs, but lately um, the burden of not having any of them published is starting to get to me. <laughs> And so I've been working on uh, right, trying to get right. them pitch ready or developed or something. And so that's eating into my design time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I would like to say that I went through that phase where I designed too many things and then had trouble picking that one thing to like follow through on. But I, I sometimes I've gotten a lot better now that I do a lot more co-designing, but I have always struggled with that too. Like, what is the next thing I could work on? Let's work on that. And oh, I should should see something get published here and push yeah, back yeah. to that, right? Yeah, like I just want to make the games, play them with my friends, but I was like, uh, maybe I should actually get this into other people's hands. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's it's there's certainly a push and pull of balancing what your goals are as a designer, right, and in mm-hmm. how you want to see your games out there. If you want to see your games out there, I mean, there are plenty of designers who just design because they like to design, you know, and uh, and play games with their friends. And that is as long as you're working on the goals you care about, that's all that matters. So, yeah. 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 And I think that's awesome. I think it's great when people design sort of just for fun instead of to. Yeah, I don't know, publish and participate. Right. Right. Yeah. To feel that need to get things out there. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it's hard as a designer, it's hard not to feel that pull, right. Of like, I got to get some more stuff out. I have to get something out or more things out or, you know, um, yeah. yeah. Like my kid is like designing games all the time. She's not going to publish any of them. She's (laughs) right, 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 right. Although her games are more on the scale of like, this is a variant of hopscotch, except, um, on these particular lines, you have to do like a one legged wiggle hop or something. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. How old is your kid, if I can ask? He's uh, five and five and two thirds. Okay, yeah, that's a good age to be designing any kind of games, yeah, <laughs> even if they are yeah. hopscotch variants. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very cute to watch. Yes, yes, and you know, you know, they're doing it because they're seeing you do it, right? And that is, or maybe I mean, I know that that's what's caused my kids to be thinking that, like, oh, I can design games. Like, I want to do that. You know. <laughs> Funnily, I design very little in front of her. Usually when we're spending time together, we're just kind of playing games with her. And then I keep my design work very separate because like if um, uh, she's kind of got in my head that whenever I'm at my computer, I'm working. And Ah, (laughs) uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so she doesn't actually see me design a lot. I think it's just that natural childlike um, 
playfulness that she's that's got. awesome that's yeah. fantastic um so so you and i are both going to pax you for the first time uh we just discovered today that <laughs> either one of us have been there so that's going to be exciting yeah yeah it's my very first convention ever <laughs> so oh, i'm really excited awesome for yeah you are the second person i've talked to who said that about this pax you i think david uh masnato yeah. from the group had said the same thing and uh yeah, it's I, I've heard only positive things about PaxU, so I'm really excited to check it out. And uh, and if all those positive things are true, then I cannot imagine that uh, it's not going to be a good first experience for you. Yeah, yeah. What drew me to it was that I heard that it had the most consistent like COVID like policies. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm very concerned about because too many of them seem very waffly about it or they yeah, are here, they yeah. don't enforce it. And yep. like, there's still pandemic going on. There's lots of immunocompromised people and yep. yeah, try Absolutely. and minimize the harm. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, Um, I ended up not going to Origins because they were kind of flip-flopping on it. And then at the end, they came through and said, no, we're doing it. But at that point, I'd already moved on and decided to do other things. Gen Con decided early enough that they were going to do it and said, we're going to do it. We're going to stick to it. We'll see if that happens next year. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, So I do know that a lot of people that refuse to go because of the mask rules are not people that I would necessarily miss being at the convention. Yeah. yeah. um, (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, so yeah. Yeah. But uh, PAX, from what I've been told, uh, Nicole Amato talked about it a lot um, and said that really, um, their protocols there are are the best they've seen anywhere um you know i mean still requiring vaccination and you know consistently forcing that people are wearing masks and not just like you know kind of half wearing them around that's a big deal so um so yeah that i know that was one of the things that made me feel comfortable other than the fact you and i both have to fly on planes i mean i assume you're flying on a plane because i am and you are like three times as far away as i am yes i'm terrified i got a heavy duty p100 mask so i'm going to be getting on the plane looking like the pyro from team fortress like (laughs) nice yeah yeah and uh but yeah that's the part i'm most anxious about because i know Mm -hmm. i'm going to be stuck in that plane and people are not going to be masking and it's going to be recycled there. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Nervous about that part. So <laughs> I, um, I have heard that the air in there is, is fairly well, like cleaned as it goes through. Right. Like, oh, it's, okay. um, the other trick I heard, which is the silliest sounding thing, but actually it makes sense. Cause my wife and I, like my wife has been flying a lot recently for work stuff. And so she's been, and we invested in the N95s, so like the, so like mm-hmm. not the KN95s, the actual like N95s that like double loop over your head and really mm-hmm. suction to your face. Um, but one of the things that they mentioned like uh, as a positive thing to do, and this was like an actual site with like real data and research, not just like crap I saw on Facebook, <laughs> but was to specifically turn on your air thing that goes above your head and point it at you mm-hmm. and just turn it on. Because oh, that good. airflow uh, actually kind of helps to create a little bit of a, a bit, an extra barrier to stop particles coming your way, which I was like, my wife and I were both excited because that's we do that literally the second we get on the plane because it's like <laughs> must have airflow, especially when you have a mask on, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought yeah. of. Oh, well, yeah, it's good to know, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'm excited to be able to meet you there, and hopefully we can play some games. We're gonna do a meetup with a bunch of us, and uh, yeah, I would love to try some of your stuff. That'd be awesome. 
Yeah, I've, I've got a purse full of them. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I've been uh, Connor post uh, Connor on the last call. I don't know if you saw suggested that he was switching over to um, little envelopes for games. And um, that like what a genius idea. So um, is that what do you have envelopes I, for yours as I, well? No, most of them are in like a like one of those small pro boxes that game. Okay. Oh yeah, that's not bad at all. But I do have a hook box game that's pretty dang small. Yeah, oh that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the games that are just a, a small deck of cards and like some bits, I just started putting in envelopes. So I was like, oh, those will fit great in my bag. Cause my hope is to bring as little bags as possible and then yeah. try not to buy too much while I'm there. So I have to take it back <laughs> on the plane with me. Uh, Cause I don't want to have to check something like at all. Like I don't, yeah. I, I prefer not to check bags if I can avoid it. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey, we have an interesting topic to talk about when I had messaged you and said, Hey, I want to have you on the show. You came with a vengeance with s- several awesome topic <laughs> ideas that were great. Um, and you'll be back on to talk about some of the other ones that we won't spoil today, but, uh, for sure. Um, but I'm going to let this, this one I found very intriguing and something we not, we haven't talked a lot about it. We've had a couple shows where we've talked about things like zero sum games and non-zero sum games, but, um, this is, this is a bit more specific. And so I'm going to let you introduce what we're chatting about today. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the sort of dominance of competitive games that we have on mm-hmm. like available specifically like single victor kind of competitive games yeah yeah Um, and i and my feelings on them and how they sort of reinforce this very hierarchical culture that we have that's like um like very capitalistic kind of culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i feel like because we have so many games that are emphasizing this need to outperform and like get the most of something get to the finish line first we have so many games that are emphasizing this need like even when it's abstracted into some like other like abstract resource like happiness like it's still a the competition right i mean it's it's winner take all right it's still kind of exactly one of the things you said to me when we were talking about this a little bit because of prep like on uh on discord one of the things you said that that really, really stuck out to me was that the idea that there has to be a single winner or that there is a winner um, in any game has become literally what most people consider the definition of a game, right? Is that in the end, someone has to win or lose. Um, and that, you know, and I, I used to fall into this trap of being like, you know, it's not a game, it's an activity, which is just a crappy thing to say. Um, but I used to sometimes say crappy things. I'm sure I still do now. But like, that was one of the things back then was like, no, it's got to have this and this. And like, that's, it's very exclusionary, frankly. And it's very, it's, it's, it's unnecessary. And I certainly learned a lot more about different types of games that it, that's opened my eyes that like, not every game has to be a competition fest. Right. Right. Um, right. So, like- Yeah. Yeah, like, so, um, because of this mindset, a a good number of my games tend to fall into this sort of semi-cooperative format where, Mm -hmm. like, a variable number of people win. And a consistent point of feedback I get is, like, people being, like, sort of confused by the concept in the first place. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like, 
it's like, so the three of us won. Like, how do we break that tie? It's like, there, there's no tie. You all won. Like, then, like, and also people being like, well, like, how often does it happen that everybody wins? It's like, why are you concerned about that happening? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's like, it, there's, there's been such a dominance of these single victor games that like people sort of give like games that do a different approach like a very weird eye like how could you just allow ties <laughs> right 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 yeah and i and when you think about like i don't know how many times working with publishers or other designers or just like you know like chatting about game stuff where like when you look at a game you're always like what's the tiebreaker like what's the tiebreaker gonna be like that is like people want that People mm-hmm. don't want to rejoice in their shared victory, right? Like people want to know that they won. Um, and and I don't think that I personally, I don't think that's bad, right? I don't think it's bad to want to play a game where you win a game, yeah, um, yeah. where you're first place, right? Um, yeah. But I think the expectation that that has to be, that has to be how games work. That is bad. Like I don't feel, I don't feel uncomfortable saying that's bad. Oh. One thing I want to throw out there though that when you said, you know, there could be, you know, multiple people could win something that I dislike even more than the idea that like, there has to be one winner is there was a game that I played one time. It was, it was like escaping from Alcatraz and it may have been called like the scapegoat or something. It was, maybe it was like escape from Alcatraz scapegoat. This was gosh, this was quite a while ago and I'm not going to look it up because I don't, I don't need to like trash specifically on this game. Um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of saying the name, theoretically <laughs> but here's what we hated about it so my my friend rob and his wife and i we, we did a demo together and with some other person and basically the goal of the game is that in a four-player game three people will escape and one person will be the scapegoat who's left over um to lose right okay and like the only thing i can think of that's that is more punishing than a single winner is a single loser right like <laughs> to purposely focus on the idea that one person will lose. And it's not, we're not talking about like a one versus many game, right? That's a different kind of thing. That's Mm -hmm. where the setup of the game is. I am the bad guy. You are the good people. We are fighting against each other and either I will be victorious or you will. And that is different, right? Right, This is literally four of us start playing a game together and three of us are going to actively disguise, decide to crap on, this third this fourth person and make them lose and how awful does that sound right like i mean like that just like i would i can't it's literally the only game i've seen like that thank goodness but like that i mean i'm I'm curious i i feel like i know your thoughts on that but what are your thoughts on that well um that's very curious like i kind of want to sit down and think about that because um curiously in a lot of the games i made it's actually somewhat common for there to be like everybody except for one person wins and um but is, is that by design or does that just happen sometimes that just happens sometimes it's right not i mean this was like this. Yeah. this was the goal of the game was in yeah. the end either everyone's going to lose or three people win and the fourth person gets dunked on because that's just what you have to do to win yeah, um, I, so literally I, a, it was a win condition of the game was to screw one person over um I, um, I'm, I'm glad that's not like uh, I'm glad that's not the dominant game, <laughs> right? Oh, it sounds awful, right? Yeah, this this sounds like 
like some utilitarian like uh t- utilitarianism gonna rise sort of right. like uh, <laughs> like oh like, for the greater good for the three of us to be happy we're gonna right, we're gonna crap right. on this guy <laughs> it's like it's like high school lunch table the board game like where one person doesn't get to sit there with like it's just it's it's just not yeah like, yeah but so so tell me though about like with with the games you're talking about tell me about um how you kind of structure that so that multiple people can win and it feels natural and you know yeah i'm just curious how that works for you so the a lot of like competitive games approach things from like whoever has the most wins or whoever gets the finish line first wins stuff like that but Mm -hmm. i try to structure my game so it's less it's less about having like the most points and it's more about having enough points so Mm -hmm. it's it's less that if you have the most diamonds you win it's like you win if you have more diamonds than crowns or you win if you have okay. at least one bread at the end of the game you could like hoard all the bread and have five bread but you don't win any more than somebody who has one bread like okay okay yeah yeah so that's, no, that's oh the, well i did have the most it's hey we all made it because we needed to have one bread yeah yeah exactly so that's sort of the way i structure a lot of my semi-cooperative games because mm-hmm. um because I'm trans, so I'm an anarchist. So <laughs> the idea is that you want everybody to have enough. Is that a requirement? Money. Like, I didn't know yeah. that was a requirement. Yeah, it comes with the territory. You, oh, you, I see. <laughs> they, they hand you, like, some anarchy, like, literature. They give you um, conquest of bread when you yes. transition. <laughs> wow, wow. Yes, yes, this is, this is my master plan. <laughs> I just love the way you were just like, well, I'm trans, so I mean, I'm an anarchist. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh. But, um, yeah. So the games are all about just meeting a threshold rather than outperforming everyone. I'm curious, like, so in a game like that where, you know, you're talking about that, okay, every person that has one piece of bread at the end survives or wins, but like everybody who has more than that still wins, but everybody who has less than that loses in those games. Do you typically do you, or do you not have mechanics that would allow like basically the sharing of those resources on purpose or. Okay. I'm just, I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, this is um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was that. Oh, great. Yes. um, because of the nature of these games, um, there will often I'll often have mechanics that will just like very overtly just help somebody else with no direct benefit to yourself, and okay. um, and then similarly mechanics where you could like take something from somebody that and and it just seems like a no like in a competitive mindset it's like an obvious no brainer you always take, mm-hmm. um, and so I would get a lot of feedback like in playtests like why would you ever give somebody bread? And I just want to be like, I don't know how to explain to you that if you're nice to your friends, they'll be nice to you. (laughs) Because like a lot of the game, because a lot of the game's mechanics are like, when you help each other, the system is more efficient than if you try to just directly take from each other. And so- So like when everybody's working cooperatively, you're more likely to have several winners. But if like some people are playing competitively, then you're then that those people who are playing very competitively might win, but Mm -hmm. there'd be more losers generally. 
interesting okay okay yeah yeah yeah. no that makes that makes sense it, it is interesting though like again it comes back to why would i ever use my turn to help people i mean i think part of that is in I, i'm curious with a game like this like what kind of like setup do you do in the instructions are you attempting to lead them like this is how you be a good person or is it just <laughs> like hey play this game and see whether or not they choose to do something that benefits other people um i'm curious so this is kind this is like a big challenge for me um because so like a game uh, one of the games i'm working on that is like in a good state is like a this courtship game and it's a game about giving information to other players um and the information is valuable because that's how you're trying to find like the ideal match for you but um in the earlier stages of my designs, I had an option where you could just like, like sort of work towards independence, not give any information to anybody, but make a decision that was like, in general, less optimal and you were still likely to lose. But because that option was available, people were like taking <laughs> because they're like, well, like this like has a chance of helping me, but right. uh, it will definitely not help other people. And that's a good thing, right? right, <laughs> so, right. Um, right. so in general, like I try to make my game so that like, like if everybody's, it's it's a very prisoner's dilemma sort of thing where mm -hmm. if everybody's mm -hmm. playing very competitively, everybody is likely to lose. And so- um, I love that. I'm try What I try to do is I, I need to like make it balanced enough that if everybody's competitive, it looks like victories like within grasp so that they try to like think about, okay, well, how could we have played it in such a way that I could have won? And like maybe talking about with the other people, and a lot of my instruction manuals say like, maybe try communicating more with the other people. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, that's, so, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, so, and sometimes I have to make it, the rule books be very explicit. Like um, another game I have, is one where you're having like a quarrel with your partner. It's a two-player game, mm -hmm. and it's it. I I made I made sure to reiterate like maybe three or four times throughout the rules that a tie is considered a, a shared victory, and that mm -hmm. cooperation is something you should perhaps aim for. Um, and so, like, it wasn't until like I like hammered it in multiple times that people finally started approaching it. Like, okay, so I could see a way that we could try to like cooperate and try to like reach a fair balance here <laughs> right 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 <laughs> that is that's that's super interesting um gosh yeah i'm just like it is it's just so ingrained right that like i want to win um that i feel like it's so foreign to people the idea that oh we could just work together unless it specifically says like this is a co-op game right Mm -hmm. you know work together i mean if i would see that then it said if you can share a victory then you know if you tie then you both win I, if it was like my wife and i playing i'd be like all right how do we both win right because it's mm -hmm. going to be more fun that way yeah um, yeah because I, I mean because i think that when everybody's winning that is fun right yeah um, yeah i mean i like to i like to win games too like when it's one winner i i, I enjoy winning games i'm not gonna lie like it's fun right <laughs> winning games yeah. is a fun thing yeah um, it's that's actually still a challenge because um, so I, I face a unique challenge where, well, I don't know if it's unique, but like if 
I basically have to plan for these extremely different play styles. And usually when people say different play styles, they mean like like a damage build versus control build. But I mean like a play styles as in one person is trying to like competitively crush the opponents and another person is trying to work together. And I have to plan for these two because um, know how I was mentioning earlier that I need to design them such that like like victory looks like it's within grasp. Like mm-hmm. yeah, um, right, right. If, if I tune it too easy on the competitive side, then what ends up happening is that when players play competitively, the game is trivial and it's not really fun to win. <laughs> if right, everybody to win right. because it's like, oh, well, where's the challenge? This isn't engaging. <laughs> right, right, right. That's so, a, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so it's a weird balance where it's like I have to make it engaging for either end of the spectrum, and sometimes that's very difficult. <laughs> right. Have you had Jamie from the podcast play test any of your games? Uh, Jamie uh, Sabrell? Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 I'm just curious yeah, because when, when they talked about games where, you know, it's like I'm playing against these people and I can do something that will help me or hurt other people, I will always choose to hurt other people because yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a more bang for your buck. So just yeah, picturing yeah. them playing your games and I'm just curious how that goes. Yeah, that's that's. They told me that exact phrase word for word during uh, one of uh, my playtests of like a game where, and I think it was like shortly after that, that I had to introduce like some mechanics to account because like, I, I can't, this might, I can, this, I might be thinking of the wrong playtest, but like, um, for, uh, it was a game where like everybody was playing cooperatively. Mm-hmm. Except for one person who was dead set on wrecking things. That sounds like and Jamie. <laughs> I had to retune the game because, like, one person was able to like bring everybody down with them, and I was like, I, I think if four people are working to like cut you out, they should have like some level of success there. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that's. I, I just was curious because you know they were very specific about you know that with games, which I found interesting because I like. I had talked about designing a game where, you know, like it was basically like, there are these things that have to get done. Like on this, say you're working like on a farm or something and all these things, there's a bunch of things, but certain things have to happen. And Mm -hmm. if no one picks them, then like you as the last player get stuck doing them because somebody has to do them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And as long as you have a rotating first player, that's fine. But they were like, I would tank the team. Like, because, because I don't, I, I think that's a good investment. And um, so, and I'm not saying that play style is wrong. I found it funny based on their personality. <laughs> that was <laughs> like, that was unexpected. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want uh, to give the wrong impression. I, I, I still very much enjoy competitive games. I just think they're overrepresented. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking like, they're, I mean, if you like cooperative, do you, so when you're defining like competitive games that, that kind of, you know, bother you or, or a negative to you, are you mostly talking about games where it is everyone's competing? There's a single winner and that that's how it works or. Yeah. It's, it's less that I think that they're bad. It's okay. So like, um, you know, like, uh, how do I say this? Like, um, you know, like how, like, there's like this problem where like women are overly presented as like sexual like objects on like absolutely like yes yes. So like, I think like if there was like a cultural vacuum, it would be fine for there to be like an instance of that because like like 
there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But the fact that there is so much of it um, to the point that people right, have right. gotten this impression that like women are only valuable for like their bodies and stuff like that, right. that it's yep. become a problem that way. So like in yeah. a similar way, I think competitive games, like in a vacuum, I think it's fine. But I think the fact that there's is dominated our culture so much that mm-hmm. it's become a sort of problem of like representation and also people just having this very competitive mindset so much so that they have trouble imagining games and also and on a higher like on our level like have trouble conceptualizing society being structured in this way that is not so competitive right right i mean when you think like thinking back to like like really old games like some of the original games we found you know throughout history most of those games are competitive, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, would you ascribe that to the fact that like, like because most cultures have just been competitive, like, I mean, pretty much every culture has been, com- I mean, that's no, that's bad. Every culture with white people has been competitive. Um, that feels like a safe thing to say um, in general <laughs> throughout history. <laughs> Um, but like I'm thinking back to games they found in Egypt and Africa and, and all of those games, um, at least the ones that I've read about, have none of them have been like co-op like yeah. know, games. Yeah, a but, lot of them are like very are very chess like where it's like yeah, one yeah. versus one and there's a single victor. And right. Um, and I don't know the answer to that exactly, partly because I'm not super well versed in like history and like history of cultures. But if I were to if I were to make like a guess, it would be that um, we, before the industrial revolution, like we had like more of an issue of scarcity of resources and scarcity of land. And yeah, so yep. like things like war and control of territory was more relevant. And so warfare was like a more relevant, like, well, I mean, like it's still relevant today, but, I, but I'll I know what get you mean. into yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, there's a reason why so many games from, you know, earlier board games, not like, I'm not talking about old, I'm talking about, you know, modern board games, but older modern board games are about things like colonization and stuff like that. Right. Like, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. exactly that's yeah. how people saw you know what they wanted to do and obviously we we have seen a positive shift away from that with a lot not with everyone but with a lot of companies and a lot mm-hmm. of games and i think that's fantastic right i mean yeah. that's obviously that sort of action in, in in better positive representation as well has been um a much needed thing that we've need that we've that we've seen happening more of not certainly not enough but more nonetheless yeah yes yeah i i feel like yeah, I feel like maybe it com- it's possible a competitive spirit might have like served us culturally, but I feel like it's almost like carried on like by momentum into our like modern like mindsets or something like that. And, you know, I I think one of the most interesting things to me when you say that though is that so much of life and what you do, like what not not you specifically, but what people do in the workplace. And in life, uh, it is a competition, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. a perceived competition. It doesn't right. have to be, but I mean, you know, people like, how many followers do I have on this social media platform? Mm-hmm. You know, how much am I getting paid at my job? How much how, how much better am I than these other people, these other things? That it's, it's both obvious to me why 
our games are super competitive, but also seems really stupid. Like, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I want to break from that crap, right? Yeah. Like, I want to yeah. break from that when, <laughs> when I'm playing games. I don't want to have to feel like I'm, you know, I'm winning and losing in a negative way when mm-hmm. I have to deal with that for my whole life outside of games yeah yeah i feel like it's like a art imitating life and then life imitating art kind of thing (laughs) or like right um, right because we live in such a like incredibly capitalistic society where you have to produce like you have to produce like work or labor or products that have like capital value you are sort of put into this sort of competitive like i have to be able to provide value or I will not have enough capital to buy the necessities I need to live. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's right, like a life right. or death thing. Like, um, but I, I don't think life needs to be that way, but right, like, right. so many, um, so many times, like when we see like sort of anarchist communes, you know, it's not like some, like a lot of times it's not because they failed because like it's an unsustainable model it's more that like a, another hierarchical model decided to come in and take it over <laughs> like, right 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 so like i if it's one of those things where if like if, if like if i could magically snap my fingers to get everybody on board i think we could like abandon it but i don't know i don't know how to like start it when it only takes a few people holding a lot of military strength to like sort of crush it when we started (laughs) yeah yeah that's that is definitely uh that is definitely a thing um that would be a stopping block to that for sure um yeah it's i think it's i think it's kind of like you know the idea in life that you you have to add value to take value right and um but the amount of value depending it that really comes down to how you quantify value right Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and exactly. if value is if value is quantified based on what you produce um, versus what you take uh, in a very literal sense, um, that can be skewed, right? Because we all we all produce different things, and and you know people could say that like, oh, you make games, and that's that's not necessary. Like I make cars, and you need to drive places and go places, and they're absolutely right. Um, but but you know the arts and in games and all of those things kind of all bundled in the one are also extremely important. Mm-hmm. things that we need to have right yeah yeah to uh to succeed and to enjoy life at all right yeah exactly yeah the things we prescribe value to feel arbitrary at times um i would say childcare is incredibly valuable but it's often sort of uh it's it's often not as well paying as other professions and i I mean, there's a lot of right, reasons right. for that, but <laughs> I saw this, I saw this thing recently that it was actually a little while back, but it was like if you could hire like somebody offline who's like immensely qualified to watch your child, um, or the kid down the street, like why do we always hire the kid down the street? But like we do it every time. We're like, oh, we know that kid. They have like no training and they're just winging it. Uh, with like our literal the most precious commodities right like mm-hmm. the things yeah. that we have our children like we, they're so important and we're like oh yeah no just just send them with this rando uh down the street uh who really may not have any skills to to watch a child and, and not screw that up 
um like their qualifications well i have a younger brother oh great you'll be fine yeah 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 you yeah, know same thing um yeah yeah that's funny um when you think about that <laughs> it just cracks me up um so so with you know um with the competitiveness in games like how how do you think we best start to get more people to think about you know games with uh you know with different win conditions where you know everyone can win or more of the group can win and and it's more about cooperation i mean obviously we've seen a rise in co-ops you know <laughs> over the over the last several years um but you know how how what do what do you think it takes to push that sort of thing further um i personally think to push it we well we kind of just need to create it we kind of need to create more games that are like that i have kind of complicated feelings on cooperative games because i i feel like they sort of fall short of sort of encouraging this different mindset okay i would love to hear more about that i i don't necessarily disagree with you i i'm just curious what your like what your specific thoughts are on that so um my issues with co-ops is that i feel like it abstracts things it abstracts away like the sort of conflicts that are involved in the ways that we could potentially work together like um if a game is semi-cooperative then it's meaningful when you choose to cooperate because you had a choice not to <laughs> if i see i see if you go into a game as cooperative and your group either wins or your group loses it's it sort of abstracts all the nuance out of like the situation and it's hard to sort of imagine yourself in that position okay so like as an example maybe this might be too real but like um like pandemic is like a cooperative game and like and it's sort of framed as like when if the group manages to control it enough then the human race survives and uh, um i think the implication that you fail is that like um something apocalyptic happens but um if you were to look at like the yeah the way the covid pandemic has been handled in the us would you say that we like won in this scenario <laughs> no 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 like we're surviving as a human species right. but like right. the right. it could have been handled so much better there's a lot of people who are dealing with long term consequences to right. this disease that we have not reined in that we could have reined in much sooner like yeah, if we like in real life there's love conflicting actors with different like interests in this like um crisis and when you make a game that's like you're all working together i feel like it it abstracts away all the nuance and all the like um mm -hmm. it, it it feels like a naive approach of like 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 of like yeah you you are you necessarily are working together and you win or fail <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, you, I mean, there's certainly a difference between like forced cooperation and choosing to cooperate. That's that's for sure. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'll pose a different question then. How in in semi cooperative games or you know multiple winner games where you're not forced to work together, but you can. How do we get people to do that? Like, how do we get people to to not fight against each other when they could work together? This is what I've been trying to figure out my entire <laughs> <game> design career. <laughs> 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 I, 
but um what... okay i mean i knew that was a tough question when i asked it but i'm sorry no no but um but i mean yeah like um it's to an extent where some like i mentioned earlier that sometimes it's a problem where like if people approach the game cooperatively the game is trivial there have been times where i'm like you know what if my game somehow like convinces a group of people to um to set aside their competitive spirit and play cooperatively, I'll consider mm-hmm. it a victory, even if it ends up ruining the game. Like, <laughs> um, but like, so the way I've been trying to do it is by um, leaning very much into that prisoner's dilemma thing I was mentioning earlier, where like, um, the game punishes you for playing it competitively. Um, like, right, right. And perhaps, but in, in a prisoner's dilemma sort of way because I I and because you, I'm not I'm I'm sorry. Can you quick explain prisoner's dilemma just for anybody who does not is not familiar oh. with that term, just in case? Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. So prisoner's dilemma is this um exercise uh, or philosophy I forget. It's this idea of like you have like these two people who are like um who have like the option of they could like snitch and screw over the other person and get some benefit um and they both have to make this decision and if they both snitch on each other they both like go jail for like a long amount of time but if one snitches on the other and the other one doesn't then that person is going to go to jail for an even longer time and the other guy's going to go free but if they both don't snitch on each other they both get much much shorter sentences in jail so overall, it benefits them to, like, not screw over the other person, but because of the risk involved, like, um, right. it, uh, often both people end up snitching on each other. So, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So when I'm referring to that, like, I'm sort of like saying if one person plays competitively and their player plays cooperatively, that person that played cooperatively is going to get screwed over by the competitive player. Yes. But if both of them yeah. play competitively, they're both going to get screwed over. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a... Uh, it is... Um, yeah, it's... I mean, it's tough because you're right. I mean, you, you certainly are... Yeah, when you're the only one being competitive... Uh, you're going to just trounce everyone. And uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about those ideas in game design recently as well, with trying to design a specific game that kind of um, uh, kind of like works around the idea of, you know, um, different rules for different people, like where, mm-hmm. you know, each person in the game has different rules um, and maybe those rules are secret, right? So like, I don't know what you're capable of, and maybe you're capable of helping me, but I'm not capable of helping you, but I don't know that. So if you don't help me, then I assume you're just not capable of it. Right. Even Mm -hmm. though maybe it's built into the game that you could help or that we could work together, but I'm not aware of that, or I don't have the resources to pull that off, but you do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I certainly think games like that, um, can be good teaching tools for cooperation um, I, I was going to say, I was going to, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say that I was wrong. I was going to say that I feel like those games are good at exposing people's true feelings about these sort of things. But I, I don't necessarily think that's the case because so many people would say it's just a game, right? It's just mm-hmm. a game. So if I make a decision that, you know, makes Zoe lose, it doesn't matter because it's a game. And if it was real life, 
I'd never do that to Zoe. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, I mean, I could say that. Maybe I would, right? But, I mean, looking at how someone does it in a game is different and because people think it's a game and people expect to win. So mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I, I think that just increases your challenge because you're essentially correct me if I'm wrong, but like, this is like the, the TL, TLDR, right? It's like, you're essentially <laughs> trying to use rules to explain to someone how to be a good person, but yeah. they're playing a game. So sometimes that point's going to fly right over their head because yeah. they're going to be too busy thinking about, um, you know, just, uh, just playing a game. Yeah. I, is that, I actually, is that a, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that is exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm like trying to teach this behavior through mechanics, like almost exclusively rather than mm-hmm. having the game sort of like chide you and be like, you're a bad person. If you do. I like right, very, right. I very deliberately try to avoid having any, the, have the game sort of issue any sort of, moral judgments on the players because i want them to arrive at that stuff themselves right well in 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 also like i mean like i said like that's they're not necessarily a bad person because they wanted to win in a game right yeah, now yeah. If they cheated to win at the game then yeah that's that's suspect about yeah. their their good person status right if they're purposely cheating to win a game and they're not a child because you know mm-hmm. sometimes children cheat um yeah. and they because they're still learning that that's not cool Right, right. I um, I actually, I I stopped working on a design because it was so important to me that people sort of derive on their own that like a certain course of action was like bad, and um, but I couldn't, I couldn't guarantee that was hap- that was going to happen because it seemed mm-hmm. like people were still like more than willing to approach it from a competitive angle and think like. Like oh I, I don't think I did anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, I crushed him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough, right? Because when something like that is super important to you, you know, and I think that's another angle of this is this is something that's really close to you and, and something that you you know you see this as kind of like a mission, right, for putting this into games and helping to teach people. And you're fighting an uphill battle and, and that can be exasperating mm-hmm. um, because like you don't want to have to explain it to people. But then also you also kind of understand why sometimes you have to explain it, but it also feels like it ruins the point when you have to explain it. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's sort of like the difference between like um, like it's like the issue of satire and how sometimes people will be like, OK, um, there's this character that's like very very obviously very overtly sexist and i hope it's very clear to you that it's a joke but it's like if if there's no if the text is not making like exact judgments on this character then like there are going to be people who are like yeah yeah this guy knows right, what right. But like <laughs> right right i i um i i have a friend who mentioned that like they know some people like some um some people who who are uh very, very, very conservative. Um, and, and they, in this person specifically, like watches, uh, the boys, the TV show, the boys. Oh yeah. And I my friend it. is like, I don't, I don't get it. Like why this person likes to watch this show. He's like, because like they are like, literally this show is, is calling out what they believe in and like calling out like their bad behavior. 
and they love this show and they're like i i think they're like rooting for the bad guys like i think yeah. they yeah. like i don't know how else to think about that right and so and i think that's part of it right is you know the is that idea right that um is the audience going to find their way to it or will they just be like, Oh yeah, no, no, I'm doing it right. Definitely. I got this right. Like this is, you know, this sexist, awful character. Yep. Nope. They're telling yeah. people stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Like, Oh, yep. this, 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 uh, this show understands me. I'm represented. Like, how do you think this show's going to end? Like I was like with the boys, I'm like, how do you think this show's going to end? Like, I mean, I guess it could end with like the bad guys winning, but if that happens, then certainly the show is going to present it in the light of the the, the good team lost, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's like that's what happened. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a real challenge, and um, yeah, and and especially like some of my games deal with like really heavy topics, like like abuse in relationships and stuff like that. And it's like, I really do not want people to get the wrong idea. <laughs> See, I would, I would think though, like, I think that's one last note we should throw out there before I have you tell us about a game you've been working on. I think one thing to consider with that is theme, right? So like, mm-hmm. if you have a theme about a, an abusive relationship is, you know, some sort of abuse in relationships is, is the theme of your game. And you have like the appropriate content warnings and stuff around that, um, which I, I'm confident you would have whatever you oh, yeah. needed in there. Yeah. Um, have them. <laughs> what'd you say? Most of my games have content. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. They should. Yes. If they, if they're presenting something that is going to be difficult for some people, you know, yes. Um, but, but I think with a theme like that, you do have a better chance of people being like, maybe I should approach this differently. Right. I know mm-hmm. that if I saw a game that started with a content warning of any kind, right. Other than like content warning spiders, in which case I just would not play the game. Um, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, if it was like a content warning for some, you know, like really traumatic thing that would immediately make me consider how I was going to play the game. And I, it would change how I was going to play the game. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I would immediately say there's more to this game than than just being a game about playing and winning. That should be obvious. And I, I think if that's not obvious to a player who reads that, that they're just not your target audience, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm it's something that I'm not that I'm I still struggle with. Like I think I spend like a great amount of time concerned about if my games are going to introduce any harm because like that's the last thing right. i want to do right like well, of course not of course not yeah yeah but yeah it's um yeah i would i would hope that uh, it's a mixed bag because on one hand i ho- i would hope that somebody that sees that a game has like potential very heavy like like i would hope overtly like ethically clear sort of <laughs> framing that they would like approach it with that mindset but at the Mm -hmm. same time um at the same time i don't want players to change their the way they play the game because they were sort of on the onset told like oh if you approach if you go from this strategy then um i'm basically judging you as an abuser like (laughs) you know i mean i don't that's the thing is i don't think you have to say anything about that right i mean if you say Mm -hmm. this is a game about abuse and, you know, and then you throw out things like a shared victory is a victory for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, 
if that's not enough for someone is to get it, they're not going to get it. Like they're just not yeah. because that's not, I mean, if you gave it to them heavy handedly, I think they might understand it, mm-hmm. but they, again, they just don't seem like the type of person that's going to benefit from a game like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's tricky because um, I'm of the opinion that you can't like, you can't sort of like force activism down correct. somebody's yeah. throat. Like, uh, like a lot of activist games are very like overt. Like this is a game about global warming and stopping global warming. And mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is that like, like, I don't know if you're going to start like conversations that need to happen with like, this is a game that's going to be played by people who already believe in like climate, like change. Yes, like, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. When I think about games like endangered, which is a great game, um, a great game mm-hmm. series from um, grand gamers guild. That is a game that is going to um, entertain and enlighten uh, people who are interested in that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, if yeah. people think climate change is stupid and not real uh, and, you know, that kind of game probably isn't going to click for them and they're not going to seek it out. Right. I mean, that's just yeah. um, and frankly, that's probably OK. Right. I mean, because, the, you know, the people there are games out there for every type of person, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and I think that, you know, as game designers, one of our jobs is to make sure that there are games for the people that we want to make sure there are games for. Right. 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 Yeah. People who want to deal with the issues. You know, I, I worked on a game quite a while ago that still unfortunately hasn't been signed, but I I hope someday, you know, about obsessive compulsive disorder because, and it's just a cards with numbers game that, that helps you feel, understand what it's like to suffer from OCD. And, uh, and I have OCD and that was important to me to do that. Um, But like, you know, that game isn't necessarily for everyone, even though like it's abstract. Right. So like, you don't really know what you're doing unless until, unless you read like the booklet, that's like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> this is what this game is like. And this is what you're dealing with. Um, you know, that is, uh, other than that, it's very like, you know, very abstractified. Um, but, yeah. but I understand that a game like that's not for everybody. Right. But I made yeah, it yeah. because it's for people who struggle like I do. Right. And that's mm-hmm. I think it's important that when we have a struggle or something we're trying to deal with or or something we want to put out there into the world to to help, you know, do what we think will make it better, that it's on us to make games like that, because yeah. we have we have that voice and we have the access to do that and we should do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I guess the point I was trying to make was that, like, I I'm I'm like trying to like I'm like trying to sneak in these messages like a Trojan horse. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to like, um, like sort of sneak in the idea that like sneak in the cooperative spirit under the guise of like a competitive game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, in that, that is fantastic. Like that, I, I work on some games for like team building and stuff like that. And most of those games are, hey, you play a fun game. And in the end, I'm going to explain to you what you actually learned from that and how mm-hmm. we tricked you into learning something new uh, without having to just teach a lesson about it and make you bored, right? Mm-hmm. You know, We let you act like you would normally act and then go, oh, these choices did these things. That's interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, totally am on board with that. The I think, I think your best games that teach people things are those subtle games, right? Like mm-hmm. those overt games about activism and stuff. You're right. You're going to have the people who are excited to play it, play it. 
The people who are not, not. Yeah. But if you can make a tricky game about that, you might get all types of people to play it. And yeah. uh, and that's fantastic. Yeah. And not to completely poo-poo those kind of games. like. Um, oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I played Space Cats Fight Fascism with my friends who are like, or like maybe not as like um, politically like active and invested. And um, we and I was able to like start a conversation about the rise of fascism in America with that. Right. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that with, with the right people, you can absolutely bridge those gaps and no, I I'm all for the, the bigger heavy handed games too, because I think they have an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah. you know, yeah. If you're, you need both, right? Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is a, this was an interesting conversation uh, and it went in a lot of different directions. I didn't necessarily expect. So, yeah. uh, I'm super glad we got to talk about this. Um, yeah, yeah. I was I was glad to talk about it. This is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I there's just so many things we don't think about. I think we take for granted with games because it's just it's just easy to and and I mean even as game designers, uh we've played a lot of games and we've designed a lot of games and you know, um I think it's easy to overlook some of these topics and things. So I, I'm excited that we got to chat about it. I would love it if before the end of the show here, you would talk about you, you've touched on quite a few games um, yeah. and given some, some little inklings of them, but I'd love to hear about one of your games uh, for the pitch section here. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I think the game that I, that is sort of the closest to publishable and playable and actually got a review recently that I was really proud of was uh, Persuasion, nice. which is a Victorian courtship game of deduction and catfishing. And the idea of the game is that um, each player is a suitor and mm-hmm. you're trying to sort of figure out which player would be a good match for you by uh, by reading the cards that they send you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're sending your cards to other players so that they could uh, decide if you're a good match for them as well. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's this game where you're trying to sort of fish out information and you're trying to put your best foot forward and um, and find the right person and... It's in truth form. It's a semi-cooperative game where, like, if uh, like if everybody marries the right people, then mm-hmm. everybody can win. But it's also possible to just completely catfish somebody and have end up in a one-sided <laughs> marriage. Um, <laughs> it's possible for both people to catfish each other. This one is uh, it sort of forces the cooperative element more than the other ones do. But I feel like it's a good primer for my kind of games. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, like, you know, we think of catfishing as, like, this modern-day thing, but the idea of, like, Victorian catfishing, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, it was probably easier back then. I mean, you send some letters, you know, like... Yeah, like, I, this this game was heavily inspired by Pride and Prejudice, and, like, I ah. think of, like, Wickham, like, presenting themselves as, like, a, like, a person of good title and, like but he's like a scoundrel like <laughs> right 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 pride and prejudice and stuff those are good those are good notes around there for uh, yeah. victorian catfishing yes <laughs> <laughs> well zoe it's been fantastic to have you on the show and uh, i'm super glad you could hang out learn about your games chit chat a bit about all sorts of different stuff here and a really great topic and uh, and i look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks uh, at pax yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I'm barely not even not even a couple weeks now. So 
Yeah, it's really, it's coming up so fast. <laughs> Too fast, right? Like, I really want to go, but I'm also like, I have stuff to get done. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, also, just the anxiety of like, you know, going and doing the thing. So, mm-hmm. um, well, hey, listeners, I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I, if you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can find us uh, there. You can find a link to our Discord. You can also email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, at least for now, you can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG is the podcast. I am at J.A. Slingerland. And Zoe is at Zoe Allred. Uh, that is A-L-L-R-E-D. Uh, oh, and it's it's X-O-E-A-L-L-R-E-D. In case you thought it was a Z, that way you know. Uh, but we appreciate you hanging out with us. We hope you come back and join us every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.